Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. Uh, this is the Art of Multiplication Part 2. We started the series last week, and so uh, we're going to go to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, we're going to read it in the message translation, which is a paraphrased translation, and uh, kind of gives us some modern day context uh, to some of the scriptures that we usually read. And so this is uh, part two, like I mentioned, and so uh, we, we talked about last week that there's a couple things in church that everybody wants but nobody talks about. It's uh, sex and money. And uh, we talked about, you know, your odds are, are 50-50 on getting what you want to talk about, but we're not this month. And uh, so we're, we're, we're talking about generosity. And um, I love the feeling in the room when you say that. You just get it out. It's just, just kind of the, the, the second sigh, like, oh, I came today. Um, listen, last week, the presence of God broke out in our services as we were talking about generosity because generosity is not about money. Generosity is about heart. And when God gets your heart, something happens. It, it, generosity, tithing, giving is about lordship. And when Jesus becomes Lord of all, things begin to happen. And so we saw it last week, and I believe it's going to be ha- going to happen today. So I want to encourage you just to lean in. John chapter 6, verse 1 says this, after this, Jesus went across the Sea of Galilee, some call it Tiberias, a huge crowd followed him. Attracted by the miracles they had seen him do among the sick. When he got to the other side, he climbed a hill and he sat down. Surrounded by his disciples, it was nearly time for the feast of Passover kept annually by the Jews. When Jesus looked out and saw that a large crowd had arrived, he said to Philip, where can we buy bread to feed these people? He said this, listen to this, he said this to stretch Philip's faith. He already knew what he was going to do. And I wonder if God's like holding out on some of us today. Like he, like, like he allowed some things to happen maybe like to stretch our faith. But he, al- he already knows. What, I wonder if he already knows what he's going to do. He already knows how he's going to break through. He already knows how he's going to. I wonder. I wonder if we're stressing out about things that God already knows. Stressing out about things that God already has a solution to. Anyways, just keep on, keep on reading. He said this to stretch Philip's faith. He already knew what he was going to do. Philip answered, 200 silver pieces wouldn't be enough to buy bread for each person to get a piece. One of the disciples, it was Andrew, brother to Simon Peter, said, there's a little boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but that's a drop in the bucket for a crowd like this. Jesus said, make the people sit down. There was a nice carpet of green grass in this place. Nice. They sat down, about 5,000 of them. Then Jesus took the bread and having given thanks, gave it to those who were seated. He did the same with the fish and all ate as much as they wanted. When the people had eaten their fill, he said to his disciples, gather the leftovers. Remember this from last week? Leftovers. So nothing is wasted. They went to work and filled 12 large baskets with leftovers from the five barley loaves. The people realized that God was at work among them in what Jesus had just done. They said, this is the prophet for sure, God's prophet, right here in Galilee. I want to use the backdrop of the feeding of the 5,000 for our our talk today and uh, for our time together. And and I love this story. Uh, It's one of the great, greatly contested stories actually in the New Testament. It is the second greatest contested story outside of the resurrection. 
So the resurrection of Jesus would be the first. The feeding of the 5,000 would be the second. Because of the miraculous nature of the miracle that Jesus did, people have worked tirelessly to try to disprove that this actually didn't happen. It was just a, a sign. It was a parable. It was a story. But, but all the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all tell this story. They tell the story of the feeding of the 5,000. I think it's really interesting that Jesus, in this story, he, 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 he has compassion on the people. He cares about them. We find this in, in, in Matthew chapter 14, verse 14. It says, when Jesus landed and he saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. Now, so Jesus healed their sick. Mark chapter 6, verse 34, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. So Jesus had healed their sick. He had educated their minds. And now he's about to feed their bodies. Jesus was concerned that they did not have a meal. He was concerned that they didn't bring any. That was their own fault, wasn't it? Like you bring your own lunch. Like, they, it wasn't Jesus' job to provide them meals. So, but they showed up that day, and they didn't have anything. They were following Jesus. Look at this scene. It says that they were following Jesus. When he finally sat down, they gathered around him. Over 5,000. 5,000. I mean, we got a couple hundred in the room right now. 5,000 just following him. Jesus carried something so great and so powerful, such influence, such atmosphere, that 5,000 people just followed around to see what he'd do. They just followed around to see what happened. And they followed him, and they forgot about their hunger. They forgot about meals. And now they're sitting there, and God says, uh, hey, uh, hey, Philip, what are we going to do? How are you going to feed these guys? Can you, can you imagine being tested by Jesus like that? 5,000 people. You know you got like five loaves of bread, two fish, and Jesus is like, all right, that's great. Uh, Philip, let's, let's feed everybody. Like, you know, like uh, we need some catering on the mountain now, pronto, delivery in under 20 minutes. I mean, like we, they, they need something now. What I think is... What is so crucial to us in our understanding of generosity and even our understanding of God is that God cares about the little things. God cares even about material things. God cares about provision for his people. Let me, let me read you a passage of scripture that I think might help you. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. It says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Does that sound like a suggestion to you? Yeah, me neither. What, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? That's just a great question. Some of you chronic worriers, like this is good for you. This is good. Did you know that mo most of the things we worry about never happen? But we have wasted energy. We have wasted time worrying. Can anyone by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? 
See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. That's interesting. Because a lot of people say, yeah, don't worry about material things. We don't need them. We don't know. It says he knows you need them. He says, just don't worry about them. I know you need them. You need things to survive. I know that you need material things for the pagans right now. But seek first. This is where the scripture comes from. Matthew 6, 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Did you know that the context of this passage of Scripture is talking about provision? It's talking about generosity. And here we have Jesus. He's on the mountain with his disciples. A passage that is copied or or duplicated in every gospel in, in the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We find them. And now Jesus is asking Philip, how are you going to feed these people? How are you going to provide for them? Have you ever wondered how God is going to provide for you? Have you ever looked at a bill, looked at a need, looked at a necessity, and thought, how is this going to happen? Do you know that Philip answers Jesus naturally because that's what he was thinking about? He said, how can I naturally meet this need? And that's how we think. It's natural. Jesus is supernatural. What he's doing is so far above what we can understand or even what we can comprehend. And he says, Philip, he said he asked this to stretch Philip's faith. Philip was thinking of natural solutions to a natural problem. You know, we, we oftentimes discredit things that we don't see as enough. We'll take the, take the little that we have, and because it's not enough in our eyes, we'll discredit it. But we learned last week it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much for God to turn a little into something, but it takes obedience. It, 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 it takes submission. It takes surrender. It takes actually doing what God has asked us to do. Yeah, you know what's interesting about money is money is, 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 money is not evil. Bible says money is the root of evil. The love of money is the root of evil. Not the actual money. Money is neutral. Money can be good. Money can be bad. Money is neutral. But how you use it determines if it does good or if it does bad. You know, money, it does a couple things. Money positions itself as a substitute for God. If you have resources the resources will do their best to position themselves as a substitute to God. Because if you didn't have it, you would need God. But because you have it, you... I have never seen people pray like they pray when they don't have enough money. I have never seen people pray like they pray for provision. I mean, it's like going to the mailbox. Come on, Jesus, come on, Jesus, come on, Jesus, come on, Jesus. I mean, it's like, I even tithe. You know, it's like, you're walking outside and it's like, come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Come on. I literally saw, I don't know if I should say this. I I literally saw a a Christian TV show at one time and they were were like, 
had, they wrote a song about this, and uh, they were being serious. I thought it was hilarious at first, but it was happening, and it was funny, and, and they were literally singing like, like, Lord, rain the money down. Lord, rain the money down. Lord, and, and they're like looking like, like it's going like to come. Do you know what Deuteronomy says? It says, God has given you the power or the ability to make wealth. To, to, to make it. That means like work. You know what I'm saying? Like, 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 like actually like put in a day's work. I mean like develop something, build something, create something. Well, God's my provider. No, God gave you strength. And creativity and ability to make something. And don't get it confused that what you make is because of your own ability. God gave you the drive. And God gave you the strength. And God gave you the means. And God gave you the wherewithal to make something. God gives the power to make wealth. And then what we do with it is, is up to us. Money promises things that only God can give. Oh, if I just had this, I'd be happy. If I just had that, I'd be happy. If I could just pay that off, oh, I'd have some breathing room. If I just, it, it promises things that only God can give. Money says you don't need God. Man, pe pe people that don't have money, I mean, you, you should see them pray for healing. They're not going to the doctor. They can't afford it. Man, they, they will pray like you would. Because when you have means, you change. You, you, you change. Once you, when, when, once you get a little bit, it's like, oh, I don't have to pray for that anymore. I can just get that. I don't have to pray. I'm not saying you have to pray for it. I'm just saying you have to be careful that money doesn't substitute itself. Money is not the answer to your problems. God is. Money is not the answer to our problems. It, it, re it really isn't as, as much as it's nice. And money can solve a lot of problems. If you don't have a car and you have money, you can buy a car. It solves problems. If you don't have food and you have money, you can buy food. It solves problems. It solves problems. We just have to make sure that the money or the resources that are in our lives, that they honor God. This is what we talked about last week because we talked about the power of the tithe. We start talking about tithe in church, it gets real quiet. We talked about it last week. Charismatic churches turn into Baptist churches like that. So you could just switch it in a second. It's awesome. I love it. I love it. It, it, we talked about the tithe. Tithe actually means tenth, or it means test. In the book of Leviticus, chapter 27, verse 30, it says a tithe, or a tenth, of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. That 10% is holy to the Lord. I like to consider myself a generous person. I, I love giving. I, li I like to give. I've got dreams of giving big things away and, and uh, blessing people. Uh, I love, um, I, I'm, I've worked on uh, business ideas and strategies apart from ministry just so I could have another stream of income so that I can, I, I just love to give. I want to advance the kingdom of God through resource. And I was studying this week. And uh, I, I was studying this message, and I was studying about the tithe, and uh, I was preparing, and, and, and I was praying, and uh, I felt like the Lord spoke to me to look at my check stub, right? When you get paid and you got a check stub, to look at it. And we've been tithers all, I mean, we've been tithers forever. I mean, I, I, I don't even know if we've missed a tithe. I mean, it's like, you get paid, the first thing you do, 
You get your increase, you pay your tithe. Like we've been doing it forever. And I got my check, my, truck, my check stub, and I looked at it. And, and on my check stub, it, it, it said like all these deductions, right? Like, like, like you got this, like, like you make this much, but then they deduct this, and they deduct this, and they deduct like a lot of this. That tax thing is just... And this is, this, is, this is not for you, okay? This was me and God's conversation, okay? If it connects with you, you can have it. But I'm just telling you my story. Because I boasted, even, of always giving God the first. And this is what I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, who are you giving the first to? I said, you. He said, who are you giving the first to? You. Who are you giving the first to? You. Who are you giving the first to? You. Look at your check stub. One, two, three. For me, I've always tithed off the net. That's what I always tithe off, which I felt was right. And I think if you tithe off the net, God will bless you. I absolutely do. But for me, I was looking at it and I'm thinking, oh, that's interesting. So I pay three other people before I pay God. Do you know what's interesting to me? If someone asks you how much you make, how much do you tell them? Well, no one's giving them the, no one's giving them the net. I mean, you're giving the gross and some frosting on top. You know what I'm saying? Well, and I have a company car and a credit card. You know, that, that actually makes the package about 25% greater. Like, you better be careful. Better be careful what we're boasting about. Now, now when we talk about giving to God, what do we do? We're like, well, now, the, actually, the amount of the increase after I take home and after I pay my mortgage and my car, that, and then I give 10% of that and my kids' college fund, and that... It's interesting that when we're telling people how much we make, we say one thing. And when we're establishing what we give to the kingdom, we say another. Is that too much today? I'm not saying, people have emailed me and said, should we give off the net or off the gross? I think that's your own conviction. That's your own conviction, what you do. I'm not trying to put that on you. I'm just going to tell you as a family, we just decided this week that we are going to take a greater step of faith. And we, yesterday, decided that, that this, is, this is it. We are going to tithe off the gross. That the, the, the first person we, I can't wait to see how God blesses us. Because the first person that we pay is going to be the Lord. It's going to be, Leviticus says it belongs to him already. It is sacred to him. It is set apart as holy. I'm, I'm not going to use any of that. We're going to use that to advance the kingdom. Now, I'm not trying to put condemnation on anybody. I want you to actually operate in what God asks you to do and what's your understanding. This was just, I've been tithing for 20 years, and this was a fresh revelation to me. And I've heard people talk about it, but it was time for the Holy Spirit. This is what I really had in my heart. I was, I was actually praying about, God, how do I increase my generosity? This is what I'm asking. Because anything I'm asking you, I'm doing to myself as well. We don't preach things from this pulpit that people are not actively doing in their own life. So I said, God, how can I increase my generosity? And I told Jamie, I'm like, what if we went, what if we went from 10% to 11% in January? Just take a step of faith. Just, why don't we just stretch ourselves? Why don't we just stretch our faith? She's like, yeah, whatever you want. Sure. No, she's all for it. And then the Holy Spirit said, why don't you start with just giving me the first? I said, oh, all right. I thought I, thought I was. But I'll get on that. So I'm making, I'm making some adjustments. I'm making some adjustments. Did you know that your walk with Jesus is not about perfection? 
It's about direction. It's about trajectory. It's about God. My heart is to obey. My heart is to serve you. Do you know that God's after? He's after your heart. He doesn't need your money. Your money doesn't do anything for God. God wants your heart. When he has your heart, he has everything else. He's not worried about everything else. He's after your heart. But Matthew chapter 6, we read this last, last week, is that our heart usually is tied up in our treasure. Our heart is usually tied up in our treasure. Natural thinking will continually assess what we have and not what God's capable of. Natural thinking. I counted up. Philip, how are we going to feed the people? Well, we got like a little bit of silver and like some fish. The actual theologians believe that the fish were like, like, like small little like anchovy fish like, or like whatever those things are. These little fish, you know, just like, you know, drop in. It's like 5,000 people and the little boy's like, I got this. It's like, did you name that goldfish? Like, what is that? It's like, yeah, we're going to use this for everybody. Everybody gets, everybody gets an anchovy. I mean, it's just like, this, this, this is what they have. But when you look at what you have and you try to decide what God can do with it, you are out of your league. God is supernatural. God is, he, he's good all by himself. So we don't have the wisdom or the intellect or the supernatural perspective to be able to look at what we have and assess what God can do with it. Or what he can't do with it. The disciples realized that all they had, it says this in the message, it says all they had was a drop in the bucket. Compared to what, maybe all God needs is a drop in the bucket. Maybe, maybe, maybe all you have today is a drop in the bucket of faith. Maybe that's all God needs. Well, I'm not full of faith like so and so. I'm not full of faith like so. Maybe all you need is a drop in the bucket. Just, just a little bit of obedience. Just a little bit submitted to God. Just a little bit given to him. It would be amazing to see what he could do. Let, let, me, let me just give you a couple rules of supernatural multiplication from our story. Supernatural multiplication. Supernatural multiplication. Whatever you have is seed. We talked about this last week. That what we have. This, this, this is what happens. Jesus he, he, he's there with the 5,000. I love this story because I, I like to picture the story. He's there with the 5,000. Jesus is there, and, and he, you know, he's playing with Philip, and uh, he's teasing him like, man, what are we going to do? Like he knew, right? He knew what we were going to do. And, and, and so they, say, they finally say, all we have like, is a little bit of silver, and we have this kid that's got three fish, and, and, and he's got two loaves of bread, whatever it was. And he says, five loaves of bread. Thanks, Bo. Appreciate that. Shout out. Cite it. He's, he's got this little amount that is in no way enough to feed. And I'm going to tell you this. This is all that God's asking for. He's, he's, not, asking, he's not asking for dollar for dollar. He's not asking everyone for He's asking what you have. He asks for what you He'll use what you have. This is not just financially. He will use what you have, and he can multiply it. Whatever you have is seed. It had to go to Jesus before it was multiplied. Can, can you imagine, like, if I had to, like, give, like, y'all are, like, behind on your mortgage payment, every single person in this room, and I'm like, it's, it's up to me. I'm the only one that's got anything, and I got, like, I got, like, $4, right? Like, this is it. This is it. Here you go, here you go. Like, I'm overwhelmed immediately. Because this is not a harvest. This can only be a seed. 
If it's not enough to meet the need, then what you have is seed, not harvest. If it's not enough to complete it, if it's not enough to minister, if it's not enough, then it's only a, it's only a seed. So they, what they did, what Jesus said, he said, you got to get, get what you have and you got to bring it to me. It goes to Jesus so he can bless it. This is really a key. So they bring the, they, they, they bring the fish and the bread to Jesus. They, they, they bring it to him so he can bless it. Let me tell you this. You bring what you have to who you rely on. You can tell who you trust because of who you bring, what, who you bring, what you rely on, or what you bring to who you rely on. So he, they identify that what they have is seed. Second thing that you see is what Jesus, what God, what Jesus holds in this story is blessed. He takes it and he blesses it. And I love this. Is because what Jesus is doing is he's teaching us a principle that the same fish in your hands doesn't do anything. But that same fish and bread in his hands is about to feed people. There is a, there is a, there is a lesson in what Jesus is doing. Jesus is teaching us that what we have is natural. In our hands, we have a snack. In his hands, he's about to do something supernatural. There's something to this. See, the problem is, we talked about this last week, is people don't believe, people don't give, mostly because we don't believe that the word of God is true. If we believe that the word of God is true, we would be going crazy. Because this, this, the principles in the word are so obvious. Jesus blessed the food, and I want you to see this, and he gave it back to them. Now, if I had that, I'll get that $4 out. I gave it to Pastor Keon. I'm like, this is all I got, man. This is it. This is my seed. Here you go. He's like, Lord, would you, uh, would you bless that? Then he's like, here you go, Dustin. I'm like, cool. I, it's the same. It's, it's the same. It's, it's the same. That's what Jesus did. Most people think Jesus like blessing. It's like there's loads of bread everywhere. I mean, it's just like raining loads of bread. They're just like shoveling out. That's not what happened. He blessed it and it was the same. It was the same. And then he gave it back to his disciples. And I'm sure Philip's like, uh, 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 like, uh, take a small bite, please. Small bite, please pass it on. Small, I mean, that's probably what Philip is thinking. The multiplication did not happen in the blessing. It didn't even happen in the giving initially. It only happened after what had been given to God was blessed by God, given back to them, and then watch this, and shared. It was multiplied as they gave. As they gave. As they gave. As they gave. And when they got done, the Bible says there were 12 basketfuls of leftovers. They had a small lunch, and after everybody had their needs met, there was 12 basketfuls leftovers of, of, of leftovers. And Jesus said, he said, gather that up. Gather, gather that up. We're not wasting anything. We're going we're, we're gonna to use it. Why were, they, why were they counting? Why were they gathering up? Because God was going to use it. Let me just say it this way. This is what we said last week. God's leftovers are better than our best. God's leftover, what he has left over after blessing us is better than what we had before he blessed it. I want you to see this progression. What we have is seed, 
what he holds, God, is blessed, and what we give multiplies. So let me just give you just a little quick, and this is too deep for you. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm usually really shallow. <laughs> so, when we give our best to God, he blesses it. A tithe, he blesses it. When we give the first, the best, he blesses it. After he blesses it, right, the Bible teaches us that the 90% is now in our hands. And Eve, this is like, this, this is like, this is crazy now. Some of you are like, okay, I've had enough. Now, this, this is above and beyond. As I share what he has entrusted with me, he multiplies it. The power is in the sharing. Did you know that greed robs, generosity gives? Greed, which one is more like God and which one is more like the enemy? Generosity is who God is. He is a giver and he gives and he gives and he gives. And when you love, you give. God so loved the world that he gave. The miracle didn't happen until they gave away what they had. As soon as they begin to give it away. Do you know why people have a hard time finding joy in this life? Is because, I'm talking about joy now, okay? So take a deep breath. You can like come back to life for a second. I'm talking about actual joy. It's like, oh yeah, we'll get charismatic again. Do you know why people can't find joy in this life? Is because we think the way to get something is to try to grasp and hoard it. So we see something that has an element of joy and we go after it. We see some, we, 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 we get tired and, and, and we get tired of serving and we get tired of ministry and we're thinking, oh, I just, need, I just need to hold on to what I have. I need to hold on to what I have, which is exactly the opposite of what the Bible teaches us. He said, you're actually blessed as you share, as you give. How do you get more joy? Give joy away. How do, you, how, how do you get more fulfillment? Give it away. Give it away. Whatever God's giving. Well, I don't have much. I just got a small little life. Give it away. And as you give it, God will multiply it. The, the, the kingdom of God is upside down. It, it, is, it is totally backwards. It does not make sense. If you want to be great, how? Learn to be the servant of all. That doesn't, that doesn't fit into our culture's 48 laws of power. You ever read this book? It's amazing. How to manipulate your way to the top. This is, what we, this is what we sell in our culture. The kingdom of God is opposite. If you want to be great, you have to serve. If you want to receive, you have to give. Yeah, you have to give. Giving unlocks. It unlocks. This is not just with money. This, everything that God's talking about through the word about money is all about our heart. If you want to receive, you got to give, give, give. You got to give your life away. You got to give it away. You got to lay it down. You got to give it to somebody. You got to serve somewhere. You got to give it somewhere. You got to give everything that God's given you is to advance his kingdom. Why did the little boy have a lunch? Probably because he had a good mom. And... Because God was trying to advance his kingdom. No one else had a lunch that day. But he had it. And the small thing that he had, God used to do a big thing. Because it's not even about what he had or how much he had. Right? It was about the heart that he had to give. 
it's not about if you have $100 or $100 million. It's about the obedience. To say, God, I'm yours. My life is laid down for you. Money does, is not an idol in my life. It, it's, it has no place. Lord, you are. You have lordship over my life. I'm going to use my money to serve you. I'm not going to serve my money and use you. I am choosing to put you on the throne. I'm choosing to lift you up, to exalt you. I'm choosing to waste my resources in my life on you. And when you begin to share, God begins to give back. Multiplication is in the giving, not in the holding. Multiplication is in the sharing, not in the grabbing. Multiplication is in the place of dependence on God that says, I need you. God, you're my provider. You see the little things. You see what I need. You see the things that my family needs. But I'm going to trust you. I'm not trusting my job anymore. I'm not trusting those people anymore. I'm going to trust you. You're my first reliance. You're my first dependence. I'm trusting you before anything else. We say this a lot, that God, please be our first response, not our last resort. Oh, yeah, we're not making it. God, we need you. Oh, yeah, that didn't work, 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 that didn't work. God, we need you. No, first. God, before I get there, let me just say, I don't know what's going to happen the rest of the month. I don't know what's going to happen the rest of the year. But I want you to know, I've already put my dependence on you. I trust you. The same God that in Matthew chapter 6 watches over the birds of the air. He says, we'll watch over you. Who can add a single day or hour to your life by worrying? He said, I got you. Some of you came in today and you're conflicted and you're full of worry and anxiety. And maybe it's not even about finances. Maybe it's some other area. I want you to know that God cares for you. He cares about you. He sees you. He sees your struggle. He sees the difficulty. He sees what you're walking through. God is not trying to get you to a place of generosity so he can, like, have money. He doesn't need money. The only thing that he has chosen to need in this earth is us. And he can't have us if money has us. So when I tithe, when I give, I cut the ties to the world. I cut the ties to selfishness and to materialism. I cut the ties to anything that's trying to hold me hostage to its trust. And I say, God... I trust you. I'm going to choose you today. I'm going to choose you tomorrow. I'm going to choose you every time I get paid. I'm going to choose you every month. I'm going to choose you every season. I'm going to choose you. When you put God first and give of your best, you will be able to live off of the leftovers of what he does. There's two rules of multiplication one is only what is given to Jesus can be blessed. And two is only what is shared can be multiplied. I just want to do great things for God. This is what you do if you want to be used greatly by God. God, I give this to you. I've got a dream. I've got an idea. I've got resources. I've got, God, whatever it is, God, I give it to you. 
I'm putting you on the throne of my life. I'm putting you in the first place. I'm putting you there as the premium authority. And, 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 and now everything else flows out of that commitment. Everything else. You know, it's interesting to me. When, when, you, when you talk about money, just how like, just angsty we get. Right? Me too. It's like, oh, whoa. You know, I had to kick against even doing this series. But we made a commitment a long time ago that at this church, whatever the Bible teaches about, we're going to teach about. Whether people like it, whether people shout, whether people clap, whether people come. Like, we're going to teach what the Bible says. The Bible has more scriptures about giving than it does any other topic that we would choose, like praying, loving, uh, believing, faith. It has more about generosity and giving than all of those. Because, not because God's kingdom is lacking resource, but because God's kingdom is lacking fully devoted hearts. There's a scripture I used to hear my dad praying. And I remember as a young boy hearing him pray this scripture. He said, the Lord's eyes are looking to and fro throughout the whole earth to find someone that he can show himself strong to. I was like, God is searching. Another version talks about the, the heart that is dependent on him or the consecrated heart. It says his eyes are searching the earth. He's looking, where are my consecrated ones? Where are my dedicated ones? Where are the ones? Oh, the ones that give money? No, no, the ones that give me them. This is my life. I'm an agent. I'm just an agent. I'm just a vehicle. I'm just a conduit. My life is God's. It's not my own. My time is not my own. My leisure time, my days off, my vacation, that's not my own. I'm his. 120% completely his. All of me, every part of me, every day of my life, every year of my life is him. I don't get to choose what I want and when I want. I am his. And when I decide, God, you're going to be first, and I begin to share parts of my life in a group or parts of my life in relationship or parts of my finances in a tithe or parts of, 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 of my joy in communication, but whatever I share begins to be multiplied. And that's what God wants to do in your life, not just today, but throughout your life, is he wants to multiply good things, multiply joy, multiply faith, multiply favor as we share it. Whatever God's getting to you, I've been saying this since I was in youth ministry, whatever God's getting to you is not supposed to just get to you. It's supposed to get through you. It's supposed to get through you. God wants to flow through you. If he ministers to you, if he heals you, guess what? He's going to use you to minister and heal someone else. If you made it through a dark time, guess what? It wasn't just so you can say, I'm a survivor of a dark time. It's so now I can give to someone else in a dark time. This is how the kingdom works. It says God brings us through seasons. It says God brings us through difficulties. And he shows himself faithful. Then we can pass it on to other people. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.